great times, and we'll talk it over with uh, Red Hawks assistant coach, Cade Brister, the former Lindenwood quarterback. He is the defensive quality control and video coordinator coach for Southeast Missouri State. Let's welcome in the head coach, Tom Matukowicz. Coach, how are things? Good. Uh, the sun's shining. You know, I didn't know if it would, but it did. Uh, haven't slept a lot lately, but, you know, I'm ready to, uh, you know, finish the season out. Um, obviously, the game didn't go as, as we wanted, and, you know, UT Martin's a good program, good football team. and There's a reason they're ranked 16th in the country. Yeah, and at the end of the day, honestly, they were better than us, you know, and so that happens sometimes, and, um, you know, it felt like we just don't have enough left in the tank. Uh, it's not that they wanted it more, but they had more energy to give, and it's it's not like our team wasn't prepared or didn't want to win. I just feel like we've been through so much this year that emotionally we just don't have a lot left. And, uh, you know, I'm 50 and feel like I don't have a lot left. I can't imagine how our young people feel and disappointed in that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of lessons there. Uh, at the end of the day, we didn't accomplish a mission, and that's a statement more about me than it is my team. We had good enough players to get it done, and um, I recruited every one of them. I hired every coach, and the reason we didn't accomplish the mission because I wasn't good enough. I'll learn my lessons and uh, start that process after this week of getting them going, but uh, what's important now is that we finish, right? Um, even though we don't have a chance of winning the conference, uh, you know, you don't want to walk out of this season and not play well this weekend. Bryant's a good football team. We'll have to play well to win. Um, but uh, if we don't play well, uh, that's tough. You know, some of these guys will never play football again. And if you've ever played the game, you will never forget your last game and how you played and whether or not you won. And so we'll make sure that um, – as coaches, that we do everything we can to make sure we get this team ready and prepared for um, Saturday. So, you know, the the bad is we lost the line of scrimmage. Like their old line, you know, did to us what we used to do to other people. You know, had 300 yards rushing and we had 30 yards rushing. They had three sacks, we had no sacks. So, until you can win the line of scrimmage uh, in a top 25 battle, you're never really a contender, and that's what we got to get back to. You know, um, defensively, it was probably more of a, you know, mental bust than it was just physically. Uh, offensively, we're just not there yet, and some of those guys, and um, we got to develop in the weight room after the year and, um, you know, coach them. But also, you know, I got to make sure that we got enough talent in there. We may take some transfers to just make sure there's enough there uh, so we got enough uh, for next year. The good is, you know, defensive unit. Kept us in the game in the first half, had a nice uh, pick six, and um, could have got worse earlier. And then, obviously, Greg comes in and kind of gives that spark that we needed uh, with, with a touchdown. And so now we're, you know, just trying to finish the, the week out. We are going to scrimmage some of our young guys. I'm really looking forward. We're calling it the Scout Bowl. So tonight uh, we're going to scrimmage all of our young freshmen that, have been servicing the the starters and so they'll get their time to kind of shine and we can get a a better idea of the development they've had since uh, they've been here in june so be a good week so with all due respect to uh, patrick heidert and uh, greg many who you played at quarterback on saturday uh, we know the nature of football especially college football in 2023 and the loss of a starting quarterback especially an all-conference caliber quarterback like Paxton DeLorean. Losses of quarterbacks can derail championship seasons. Sure. You know, one thing about our program, though, and I hope people hold me accountable, I'm never going to come up here and make excuses. Sure. Like, I'm thankful I have a profession that requires an outcome. Like, I don't just get to show up my job and I get paid no matter what. Like there's an outcome expected in my position, and that's what makes me feel alive. And sometimes you feel dead because of that too, right? But, you know, we can't control injuries. I, I obviously can't control scheduling. So, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't get it done, and we didn't get it done because I didn't get it done. 
Um, and so we got to make sure we protect Paxton next week or next year so that, you know, he can get through the season. So what you're saying is you're, you're glad you don't have a job like television meteorology because you can be accurate about 30% of the time and you're good to go. Right, yeah. right. Just like, you you know, you come up and you talked about the game, you're going to have your job no matter what because it doesn't matter who wins, right? You're just telling the game, you know. And so some some people can't do this job. The stress will take the joy from it. But the thing I've learned about this profession is um, I need a dragon to fight, you know. I'm better when uh, things are hard and, and, you know, so don't be having pity parties and and all those type of stuff. And there's a lot of growth opportunities in this this struggle now. So you get off to a uh, terrific start in the football game. Uh, Joe Edrick Lewis with an interception, and he takes it back for a pick six. That, I know, I saw the sideline. That energized everybody, a defensive score right out of the chute. Yeah. Then the next series, we, we drop a pick. Lawrence has a, a wide open, like a real bad decision by their quarterback and and drops a pick because that could have got us going. You know, we probably don't win that game because of the what I talked about, the line of scrimmage. But certainly uh, the way we started on defense was, you know, good and, and exciting. And uh, once again, I think we say it every week, uh, another fifth-year senior quarterback, their quarterback transferred from Ole Miss. Now, he didn't get a lot of quarterback reps. He was, you know, he was mainly the holder on the field goal teams, but he was super highly recruited coming out of high school. I mean, he was an SEC athlete. He got a yeah. scholarship to go to Ole Miss in the Southeastern Conference. He played some pretty good, pretty experienced quarterbacks. This yeah, year. no doubt, and... You know, when they're able to run it and you weren't able to get some pressure on him, makes him even better. Uh, they, but, you know, UT Martin had a nice day, man. They're, they're really uh, playing well, and I hope that they make a deep run. You know, Sam Franklin, who came in fourth in the nation in rushing, you completely bottled him up in the first half. I think he had 14 carries for 46 yards right. at halftime. You're talking about... Uh, a guy that's averaging over seven yards per carry in the first half, the nation's fourth leading rusher, he was not a factor in that football game. Yeah, no doubt. And that's what that's what ended up happening. You know, I think we had 50 snaps on offense and 85 on defense. You know, yeah. just eventually wore us down, and you know, felt like we got tired of holding on to the rope. And as far as uh, their backup running back, Narkel Lafleur. Uh, I think his longest run of the year was 23 yards. He had that 75-yarder. What did you see on that play? Because uh, it looked like a really good play call as he went around left tackle, and it seemed like uh, you know just a, it was a perfect call for what you guys had going on defense. It was uh, we had an unblocked guy in a gap. He just couldn't see him, and I tried to maybe do somebody else's job when if he would have just handled his gap we'd have been fine but um you know that's the one thing they did have their team speed uh was better than ours uh so you know if a guy misfit it still shouldn't go for 70 right uh, we had a middle field uh safety that couldn't get it down and, and and certainly that speaks to their you know speed and our lack of speed how much do you like this rivalry with ut martin you go back to 2019 and uh this is your championship season, 2021, they won it. 2022, you shared it. And then this year, they're either going to share it or win it outright. They, they're at least going to get a share, right. you know, depending on what Gardner-Webb does. So clearly, uh, you know, in the last uh, four years, these are the top two programs in the OVC, championship after championship. Someone snuck in in 2020, but other than that, it's UT Martin and SEMO in this league. Yeah, no doubt. You know, when I first got here, we built – the program on stopping Jacksonville State. So, you know, our recruiting model was based on what does it take to beat Jacksonville State. Which you accomplished. So now, you know, really it's uh, what's it take to beat SIU and UT Martin. You know, so even in the offseason when we go through our recruiting models and the decisions that we make and scheme and all that, we really need to make sure we're doing uh, things that can beat those type of teams. And if you're good enough to beat UT Martin, you'll be good enough to beat the, or compete with the rest of the league. 
So in the final home game, Robert Morris, you said you had a lot of recruits there. What kind of feedback did you get not only uh, with the uh, the tailgating, the Red Hawk fans that were there, but all of the stadium refurbished? What kind of feedback do you get from guys who are trying to decide if they're going to come and play football at SEMO? No, all been really positive. Uh, we have 16 commitments, I believe. Uh, they've all taken game day visits, you know, so we only had four, and all 16 of them come from those four weekends. And so uh, they've been positive. Um, you know, we've cr- created a lot of momentum with the program, and the, the fan support's a big deal. You know, if football's important to you, um, you want to go somewhere where football's important to them, right? And um, that's probably the best thing about this season is some of those home atmospheres that we've had, um, which, um, you know, we've got to keep going. We've got to do our part, keep winning, and uh, keep it going, keep building things, you know, press box and all the other stuff. And for those who did not make the trip to UT Martin, it's not a slam on their fan base at all. But you look at uh, what you've done over the last several years and what they've done, this will be at least an outright or shared third straight championship for them. As we were driving in to the stadium, you saw what their tailgate looked like. It was one-fifteenth of what the tailgate is at Southeast Missouri State. Again, it's not a slam on Martin, but just look at the two programs. These are the top two programs in the league, and I just took a look at the tailgating. It's not even the same team photo. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, I think that's a, a selling point we use in recruiting, you know, and I think that does matter, recruits. All right. Uh, so it will be one more game for Geno Hess. Boy, they did a nice job on keying on him. You didn't run him a lot, uh, and I'm sure that was, you know, the game plan. You, you're trying to, you know, get other things going in the offense. But uh, Geno was shut down. I think he's still – uh, 210 yards away from the OVC all-time rushing lead. He's, he's closing in on 5,000 yards. But uh, regardless of what happens on Saturday, it's going to be his final game with this program, the guy who has scored more touchdowns. They've been playing football since 1949. That's the year the Ohio Valley Conference was established. Nobody has scored more touchdowns in the history of this old league than Geno Hess, and it'll be his final game on yeah, Saturday. no doubt. I mean, that's uh, that's why key to victory is finish, you know, finish this, this season out with a, a quality win, you know, and so best chance to win is to get Geno going, you know, um, but it but it's not that easy, you know, uh, sure. because the opponent knows that too, and they loaded the box, and we weren't able to, you know, block them. Uh, good enough to get him started. So we, we still have to be uh, multiple. Otherwise, you know, he's not as good because they don't have to respect the pass game. So we still got to be able to do both. And uh, for the second straight week, you brought a freshman out of Seckman High School. I was just at Seckman Friday. Jackson went over there and uh, and throttled them. But you've got a freshman from Seckman, and you played him in back-to-back weeks in the backfield. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, Cole Rubel, um, he was a, a guy that came to camp, got on our radar, um, you know, great kid. I think what sold us on him, he had all the the intangibles and the speed and all the stuff that it takes to be a running back, but he was a state champion, multi-state champion wrestler. And so just his toughness. Uh, and then when I went to the game, I went to watch a uh, high school, his high school game his senior year. The game I was at was his birthday, and the whole student section sang him happy birthday, and I knew what kind of guy he'd Like, you don't sing happy birthday to the stuck-up prick that thinks he invented football, right? Right. You sing happy birthday to a guy that has the, you know, that has that, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just he's not about himself. Like, he truly cares about other people. And when you're the man, that sometimes you forget that. But he has that humbleness that I really appreciated. Cole Rubel, um, tell us about uh, his strengths as a football player, as a running back for the Red Hawks. Um, he's really sudden, plays the game natural. Um, you know, his vision's good. Um, but we're kind of still trying to figure him out a little bit. He's put on maybe... Uh, 10 pounds, he's 200, 
I think he came in at 190, something like that. So we're still trying to figure him out a little bit. Um, but his protection has been pretty solid. Uh, ball skills is nice. Really a, a guy that has a lot of, you know, could be an every down back. So this will be the uh, the final game for a lot of guys, and you have uh, a lot of All-Americans on this team, including your center, Zach Gig. Um, he just played, or he started his 32nd game for you on Saturday. It'll be start number 33 for Gig, uh, just the third SEMO player ever to win the Remington Award, which goes to the top center in all of FCS college football. Zach Gig playing his final game. How important has he been to this football program? Well, it's not his last game. Uh, he does have another year. How about that? Um, but he's been, uh, you know, a great player here. and uh, He has uh, said he wants to come back another year, but we really don't have those conversations until after the season. But sure. um, he's made that point that he would like to come back. Do you have to get a sheet of paper? Just to tell, tell who who is eligible now with the the transfer right. and COVID and everything. That's why I don't. I look at it one year, like I look at all of them as one. Like who's playing this year? Then after that, you got to act like they're all leaving because they could, and you got to have an answer there. So, you know, we got to continually recruit. But it is tough more than more than ever. Um, but there's there's other guys there, um, you know, that that won't play anymore that. You're sure going to miss, you know. And on the defensive side of the football, there are several of them, including just start with Lawrence Johnson and what he's meant to this program. Uh, he just played in his 54th game. Yeah. 54 games as a Red Hawk. Uh, he came into the game with 275 career tackles, a couple of picks, 17 tackles for losses, and I know you don't blitz him a lot, so... Uh, that's still a lot of tackles for loss, but closing in on 300 tackles I know. in his career as a Red Hawk. Yeah, it seems like yesterday, you know, uh, that he came and, and he's going to leave here a man, uh, you know, he's got his degree, um, got a shot at the NFL, but if not, you know, um, he's going to be super successful and it's just appreciate all that he's done in our program and the impact he's had in my life. And a guy like uh, London Manuel, who yeah. I know is respected by everybody on that roster, not only for what he does on the field, but what he does off the field. We've had him on the coaches' show. Uh, what a what a big personality and a leader on that defense. Yeah, no no doubt. He's he's the mayor. You know, he's just he's always got a smile on his face. Uh, he's fun to coach. Uh, you know, he's going to start adulting. He's got a year left, but is ready. You know, to move on. Um, and so it looks like uh, he's got something set where he'll move to San Antonio in the in the spring. So, um, you know, just gonna, hard to see him leave. All right. So uh, I'll just name some of these guys, and you tell me if they have eligibility left. But big Stephen Lewis, what an impact guy yeah. he has been. Uh, you know, I remember talking to one of the assistant coaches as we were getting on the bus at Nichols uh, after he sealed the game with that big interception. And I told the assistant coach, uh, you think Stephen Lewis will ever forget his day in Thibodeau, Louisiana? Yeah, exactly. And he's got another year and has um, expressed that he'd like to play another year. And He was just in my office, man. He's had an unbelievable tragedy on uh, Saturday on the bus ride over. His best friend uh, lost his life on a motorcycle wreck. And so just wrecked him. Um, you know, and, and so that's a lot of... The time you know you, you think it's football, 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 and you got Stephen Lewis in my office, and you just uh, heartbreaks for this guy and his family and the adversity that he's going through. Um, but you know, if anybody can do it, he can. He's as rock solid as they get as a, as a human now. And uh, we've had a couple of assistant coaches on this show, and when it talk about guys who are at the top of the heap in the weight room. Stephen Lewis's name, like we had Coach Knapp on, Stephen Lewis's name came out immediately. Yeah, he's one of the strongest guys for sure. Ty Leonard, Coach, uh, all-conference corner for you. Uh, He just played in his 40th game as a Red Hawk. I don't know if he's got eligibility left, but uh, a guy who has played an awful lot of football and recognized around the league as one of the elite uh, corners in this conference. Yeah, he's got one more year. Uh, He hasn't said one way or the other. 
um, you know, he was an all-conference guy a year ago, and and so uh, same way with Booker. You know, Booker's a guy that has played while, got his degree, um, and you know has one more year, but we haven't talked about it. Like I said, most of these conversations will happen next week. You know, before Thanksgiving. But. Well, one guy we know doesn't have another year, uh, but he's got another game. Is Ryan Flournoy, yeah. and uh, if he's not the best FCS receiver in the country. Uh, he's got to be on the extreme short list. He's certainly the best receiver in this conference. Proved it again on Saturday with that 75-yard touchdown reception. We know that will be his final game on Saturday and has battled through the broken hand, playing yeah. games with casts, catching touchdowns with a cast on his hand. Uh, just a man-child. And, uh, boy, what uh, what a great career he's had at uh, at really has. You know, and he was a guy that could have left last year. You know, and gone to the NFL and decided to come back because he he thought he could uh, create value for himself and maybe go a little higher. And I think he's done that. I think a lot of a lot of the NFL guys are um, on him. We're hoping he gets into the Senior Bowl or um, the Combine, so uh, that'll certainly help him. But I think you'll see his stock just continue to rise. Really, the only thing is, can he do it at that level? Really, there are no negatives about the guy. And so um, it's our hope that he's the highest drafted player in program history. He certainly deserves it. So when you saw him coming out of uh, of junior college, obviously you saw the talent or you wouldn't have recruited him. Did you think he could be this guy? We were surprised at his top end. You know, we, we thought he was obviously great. Um, but we didn't know he had that kind of level of gear uh, for that size. You know, that's what's unique is he's a big man. You know, he looks like a linebacker up top, you know, DB down bottom, but he can roll, roll, which is, you know, obviously why the NFL is watching him. All right. Uh, on that offensive line, uh, at the beginning of the year, you had plugged in uh, three guys uh, and a couple of freshmen, uh, Rashad Turner, Jamarcus Hill, Tyson Miller, all guys uh, who have seen time on that offensive line, all freshmen. How much are they going to benefit from going through an entire no Division doubt. One season? And I know you said, hey, these guys, physically you look at them and they are big and strong, but in your estimation they're still freshmen and need to get stronger, right? Yeah, totally. I think uh, we'll appreciate all the growing pains next year. You know, but this year, uh, you know, we're just trying to get them better. And, you know, it's one thing to get better fundamentally, but functionally, if you're really not strong at the point of attack, you know, fundamentals will fail you. So there's still a lot of progress to be made. I know Coach Knapp's, you know, going to get it done this offseason. All those guys are hard workers. And so I think they'll be able to get themselves improved and, um, you know, uh, looking forward to, you know, four of the five will be back. Or we think they'll be back, you know, until they tell us. Um, and so you, you carry all that into next season. And hopefully that'll be a, a strength of our team. And a guy who I think has the best name on the team is Kobe Six Killer. Uh, he just went about his business all season long. And uh, when you see penalty markers fly, very rarely did we hear, uh, you know, holding or false start number 69, yeah. Kobe Six Killer. No, I agree with you. And uh, him and Zach. He's had a solid season, and I know they've been trying to get the other ones better, and we ask them to do a lot, communicating with the young guys and all that. And, uh, you know, it's been stressful on that group, and they've taken a lot of heat, but they've been able to, uh, you know, keep getting better and, and keep fighting a good fight. All right. Uh, Dalen McDonald went through senior day uh, festivities, listed as a senior. Is this it for Dalen? Yeah. And so he's going to, uh, he may be a GA. He wants to be a coach, wants to be a GA. And so uh, we'll have those conversations after the year. Boy, how valuable has he been uh, last year? Yeah. Kick return for a touchdown, punt return for a touchdown this year. Uh, Dalen McDonald and, uh, and has evolved as a receiver. And uh, you just go look at uh, maybe the single most exciting catch of the year was his you got mossed grab when he uh, he jumped up over a defender and right. made as good a catch as any of your receivers have made this year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, he's and he's as good a kid as he looks. I mean, he's always got a smile, always working hard. Uh, you love that. 
uh, he's a Red Hawk, man. And bounced back from the, you know, boy, that opening kickoff against Lindenwood. Yeah. I mean, he was knocked out. Uh, and then, you know, he, he bounced back, you know, went through concussion protocol. Still fearless. I mean, yeah. he had a chance to make a couple of fair catches on Saturday. The arm did not go up. I told him he needed to get life insurance sooner than later. We always mess with him that, you know, you got nine lives, but I think you've used up about eight, you know. Um, but you certainly don't question his toughness. And he's a great teammate. Like, he is not selfish. And I remember him even trying to get Joe Edrick the punt returner job, you know. Um, just that doesn't happen much. That's the kind of kid he is. Here, take take my position is what you're saying. Yeah. He said about Joe Edrick. He thinks he he said he could do just as good as I I can, and I said, well, I appreciate that, but no. <laughs> and then uh, you know, coming on late in the season, he he had his first touchdown reception. He had four catches uh, for 35 yards uh, two games ago against uh, Robert Morris was Dorian Anderson, and I know people look and say, man, who's got six feet, seven-inch wide receivers? But Dorian Anderson coming on, got his first collegiate touchdown. What's the future for a guy like Dorian Anderson? Uh, you know, he's got another year, so we'll, we'll see what that looks like. Um, you know, it feels like uh, there's another step there. I'm disappointed in um, how he's playing. I think he could play better. It's not. You know, I know he's trying and, and some things like that, but I think there's more there, and it's just see see how he develops and see if he really wants to do it, and, and it's tough. Um, but I think um, we need more out of him. All right, at the tight end position, uh, Danny Joyner was out there for almost every snap this year. and We haven't seen uh, Mitchell Sellers. I know he, he's, he's, out. he's yeah. battled injury, but uh, how about those two guys going forward? Yeah, I mean, both of them are, are great players in our program. Um, Mitch is out for the season with a back injury, and, and he'll have a couple years uh, eligibility left. Same way with Danny. Um, we're really missing a Y. You know, uh, we had a great Y tight end last year that really was great in a run game and, and stuff like that, and kind of got banged up. Braden Thompson was a guy we thought was going to do that, uh, broke his hand and had surgery. And so has been out, uh, Nolan Reed and uh, a freshman named Sivy, uh, both North County kids that have a future there, um, but they're young, so we're just seeing how they come along. So Will Weideman is who you're referring to. Yeah, right? I think we really missed Will this year. You know, Danny's more of an off-the-line tight end, more of an H tight end, where a guy that could be on the line to set the edges versus some of these really good DNs that we've seen. I'm sure you get this question a lot. Uh, and he may not be on the roster. He may be on the roster, but uh, those are big shoes to fill for number six, Gino Hess. What do you what do you think about the the running back room going forward for next year? Well, that's a room that you got to make sure you got enough talent in. I think we've recruited well, and we have some guys uh, in the room. But also, my job is to make sure there's there's enough in there, and so we'll probably take a transfer at that position to just make sure that all those guys are good. All right. Uh, you know, with Paxton DeLoren, it's two years in a row that, uh, unfortunately, he's had to suffer through injuries. Did come back last year. Certainly wasn't full strength, but got you out to uh, the big lead at uh, Montana. So, certainly, uh, we know what Paxton DeLoren can do. Uh, how about, uh, you know, backing up DeLoren for next year? It would seem that's a tough position to get a quality backup quarterback because guys want to play, and if they know there's a firm, established starter entrenched, it seemed like that position more so than maybe other positions, and I could sure. be wrong, but trying to get somebody who is, uh, you know, a, a guy who could go out there and win you football games knowing there's a really good chance he's going to be a backup to an incumbent. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it is tough. Um, I, I'm out of the game of transfer quarterbacks. Like, I'm going to be pissed if I have to sign a transfer quarterback. Like, we need to sign them out of high school. We need to develop them. And so Jeremy's done a good job. We've signed some good ones. Uh, we got a guy committed in this class. We I went and watched in, in the bye week feel great about. Um, but we need the next quarterback to be in the system 
not a transfer type of guy. Um, and so I feel good about uh, some of that talent, but, you know, it's not enough to be talented. you got to be able to produce, and you don't really know what you got a quarterback until you start getting them out there and seeing how it looks, you know. Um, so it, we probably won't know until next fall who, who the backup will be. Although your track record with transfer quarterbacks has been good, they both led you to the playoffs, and Daniel Santa Catarina and Paxton DeLaurent is a transfer quarterback. Yeah. You've had success with transfer quarterbacks. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, that's not great strategy. You know, Santa and I had a pre-existing relationship, or he wouldn't have come here. And then uh, Paxton came here because there's no one else to go. So I think when you have an established transfer quarterback, we haven't, you know, I just don't think Simo's the sexiest place to, that, that's not up, that's not what they're into, you know. And so I'd rather get a high school kid that, um, you know, the team can rally around and be more about who we are. Um, but obviously those kids are some of the best quarterbacks to ever play here that were transfers. So it's not like I'm allergic to transfer. I just don't want to have to count on it. Sure. You know, this guy comes in in January and he's got a plan of falls. That's rolling the dice. Like, we need to be better than that. We need to have good options in-house. Um, and then if we still take one, that's fine. But we can't count on it. And uh, how about the uh, the special teams unit? Uh, D.C. Pippen had a fine yeah. year for you in two years. In these two years for Pippen. One missed extra point. I think it was blocked. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how about D.C. Pippen? I don't know if he's got. Uh, he's got another year. Okay. Yep. And uh, he might have two, actually. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but he's had a really good year. Uh, you know, his grades are good. He's in a good frame of mind. Um, he's handled every situation well. So I'm really proud of him. How about uh, we're in Jackson. How about the development of uh, the Jackson kicker? Logan Bruns, who uh, is your kickoff guy. I know unless you're popping it up, then you you go with the other guy. Uh, But uh, he's also been the holder, forced into being the holder. You know, your your punter, Adam Weston, that got hurt, uh, you know, was your holder. Uh, He stepped in flawlessly. We haven't seen any issues there, and he's been your kickoff guy. How about the evolution of uh, Jackson native Logan Bruns? Good. I mean, the thing I want to see is just progress. I don't expect you to go from zero to 100, but it should look better each year, and it has. I think he's got Division One talent. I think he's just got to keep building skill. He's got to have more tools in the toolbox. You can't just have a fastball. You need to be able to sky kick. You need to be able to, you know, we surprise kicked him. You need to be able to onside. You know, he needs to be able to continue to develop in his craft, um, but I think he's going to be a, a great player for us. Can you have a better onside kick? Is there a no, way? No, he did a great job. Is there a way to do a better onside kick when you do it all yourself? <laughs> no, he did did a great job. And he's pretty jacked. I don't know if you saw him on the side. I saw him. But uh, for those who didn't see it, he kicked it ten yards and he fell on it. Nobody yeah. else did. We we're I mean. blocking those guys so they couldn't. And um, you know, it's all about the kick. It's got to go ten, but if it goes thirteen, they'll get it. You know, so it's it's not as easy as it seems. I know. Uh, you know, people may say, what do kickers do during practice? Everybody else is out there. They're working on stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah, totally. They're breaking their skill sets down into parts and practicing those parts. You know, it's part, part, whole. You don't just line up and only kick. You, you know, you work on all these other type of things. And so it's like a golf game, though, man. You go out and you practice for a couple months. That's not going to you got to practice years. And so... Um, but he has a work ethic, you know, he's from a great family that he'll he'll work in the off season. You know, he's got a good coach uh, that he'll learn from, and I think he'll continue to progress. How about the emergence over the last couple of decades of these kicking camps? I mean, there is, I mean, anyone who's serious about being a kicker, these guys are going to these kicking camps, and I'm sure Logan Bruns is, is no different. Yeah, no, they all are, and I think... You know, it's because none of the other coaches know what they're coaching, you know, know what to tell them. Um, so they all go to these things and get a lot of those expertise, which is a great thing. It's a good thing. There's a good community with kickers, you know, and they, they, they got good relationships. All right. We will not forget about Tennessee whiskey. 
Logan Leftrick uh, yeah. thrust into a tough situation. Uh, you know, you, you can't be fabulous every game, but he has been nearly fabulous every game. His ability to kill punt, it's inside the 20-yard the line, the hang time. So you're making guys uh, throw up the arm and fair catch. How about uh, just, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does on Saturday. But yeah. what Logan Leftrick was thrust into and uh, and how that Tennessee whiskey has uh, has worked itself throughout the season. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think we netted 42 Saturday. He had some really nice punts. Um, and I said going into the game, you were third in the league in net punting. Yeah. And almost every punt was from him this year. Yeah. So I think what... He's always had a nice leg. Like when he hits it well, it's a nice ball. I think what uh, early on we just didn't have the consistency. It's with his drop. So it's all how he drops the ball, and there wasn't consistency there, which led to the inconsistent punts. But those are getting less and less. Like he's starting, you could tell he's, he's getting in a routine. Um, but, you know, he's got to stay hungry, and you gotta you got to keep working. And, and oh, hey, I, I got this thing handled. Well, that's how you have a sophomore slump, you know. So he's got to stay humble and hungry and, and still fight for those inches. Is that the best nickname on the team, or do we have a better nickname than Tennessee Whiskey? I don't know. I don't know if he appreciates a Tennessee Whiskey. He may not like it. Because it was kind of a backhanded right. deal. So he may not appreciate it. But he, first of all, he's the, the old freshman 20 he's kind of putting on. So I don't know. <laughs> He might be uh, more of a beer drinker might be the problem, so I need to try to trim him down a little bit. Coach Knapp can take care of that, right? Totally. All right, uh, so if you are the video coordinator and you're also the defensive quality control coach, what are the responsibilities of a Cade Brister? Anything and everything. And so uh, I really... And thankful about uh, his willingness to accept this role. And he won't appreciate this role until probably 10 years from now. But this role will really, really help him. Two things. One is he was uh, kind of in a silo a little bit in the fact that he played quarterback, only quarterback. And so the rest of the game you may not know as well as you need to, right? And so being able to put him on defense is really going to, you know, help him long term, even though he'll probably go back to offense soon or whatever. Um, this time on defense is very valuable, and he's been very helpful. One of his jobs is to scout the quarterback of the opponent to tell us uh, about him, and he's done a great job there. And then the video coordinator really helps you because you got to be super organized because you're – Organizing all the filmers that just show up. Hey, what do I need to? So there's a lot of moving parts. You got to be really detailed, um, and also the technology nowadays has really changed. Like he met with the, the drone people on campus an hour ago. So there's just a lot of technology. But what, what that's going to do is make him a better teacher, because we all have to use technology to teach. And at at, at the heart of what a coach does is he's a teacher, right? And so his ability to uh, learn that technology is going to make him a better coach someday. He probably uh, he, he probably complains about me a lot when I'm not around. But hopefully someday he'll appreciate the role. And I don't, you know, the thing about it, you tell him is you got to start in the role you got. You don't get the next role unless you're killing the current role. And so, you know, he's not going to be long-term video coordinator. But I can promise you this, if he's jacking our film up, there won't be another role for him. You know, so this is good for him. And it's an interesting story because I didn't want to hire him. First of all, we played Lindenwood. I was trying to hurt him. If he had been on the ground wincing in pain, grabbing his knee, I would have been celebrating. Not proud of that, but that's the truth. But after the game, he earned my respect. Like, he is a great competitor. Not saying he didn't, he could have played better. We all could do things better. That's not what I'm saying. He wasn't like the perfect player, but I loved him as a competitor, and I wanted our great players to be around other great players. And uh, our assistants ended up interviewing him, and then it got to me. 
And I tried. I, I was punching on him pretty good. I called his dad. Like, I, I really wanted to make sure. And it was kind of hairy because you're taking him off Lindenwood and it's a rival. And so I think it was a couple months into it before I started checking his pockets when he left the office. Um, but he's here now. He's made a, an impact, and I think he's learning, um, you know, different ways to do things because he's only been at Lindenwood. And so, uh, you know, not that the way we do things is the way, but being able to compare and contrast is important as a coach. And uh, for those who did not follow Cade Brister's career, um, he's statistically the greatest quarterback that ever played at Lindenwood. And with all due respect to Paxton DeLaurent, Cade Brister was the best quarterback in this conference last year for a team that was first-year Division One, yeah. First-team All-OVC, all the records at Lindenwood. I mean, this guy was really, really good at playing quarterback. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's, you know, he was a, like a coach out there. He'd been there a while. Uh, he worked hard at it, understood it. Uh, they their coaches did a good job with him. Had some good players and went out playing his best ball, which is what you want seniors to do. Does it surprise you, Lindenwood didn't uh, bring him on as a as an assistant coach? Yeah, I mean they tried. I think you know, um, Cade made the mature choice, knowing long term it's better that I go make a new network and see a new play. You know sure. what I mean? But sure. it would have been easier to stay there more comfortable right but that's not what he needs he needed to grow and i'm sure you've uh, explained to him that uh, in your early days you were the video guy hell yes i was i was the irrigation guy i mowed i striped i've been a recruiter i've done it all which is what i appreciate you know i got a you know a good so when i'm hiring a video coordinator i know what to look for so someday when he's the head coach you know, all these things will eventually help him in those roles. You tell them the old stories of how you took the VCR tapes and drove halfway and made the film swap or the DVDs and made the film swaps the old school way that video was done back no. in the two days. No one comes to my office complaining about their job. <laughs> Nobody. Because they're not going to like what I tell them. So, um, you know. I don't even have to talk about the old days. All right. Uh, we will talk with Cade Brister. He is here. Uh, we will chat with the defensive quality control coach and the video coordinator. Cade Brister joins us after this timeout. It is the Red Hawks Coaches Show, our final menu. Uh, and Cade Brister joins us now. And uh, you have diversified uh, what you had for lunch. You did not have wings. I didn't. Uh, I did a wrap. Okay, tell us about the wrap. Got a buffalo wrap. It was pretty good. Um, I think one thing for me is I've been putting on a lot of weight after I got done playing. So I'm trying to hold on to staying fit a little bit. I don't know how long that will last for. but So it's not the freshman 20. It's the assistant coach yes. weight gain. Yeah, a lot of hours getting put in, not a lot of time to cook. So putting a lot of weight on. There we got you. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, do you ever make the mistake? Uh, maybe you get up in the morning, you're headed, you're headed to, uh, you're headed to the office, and accidentally you grab something that says Lindenwood Lions. Whoa, 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 whoa! What was that? It may be dark. It may, you may be a little groggy. We don't have to wake up early. I got all my Lindenwood stuff in a box in my basement right okay. now. So you don't make the mistake of. Correct. I yeah, know. and um, I don't know how long I'd last in Cape Girardeau if I put something like that on. So when they moved to Division One, how far in advance did you kind of know, okay, we're going uh, Division One, and, and how exciting was that for you as a player mm -hmm. who was with them at the Division Two days? Yeah, it was, it was extremely exciting for us, and it was kind of it was right after um, signing day, January, February. We started spring ball a little early, um, so we knew that spring that we were going to be FCS schedule and. Um, just us seniors, we're really excited about you know setting a foundation for that program and finishing the year outright. So it gave us a little extra boost headed into that year. So uh, when you found out that they were going to make a trophy for the Lindenwood versus Semo game, mm -hmm. uh, what were your thoughts on that? And how about that turnout and just the crowd 
when SEMO played at Lindenwood last year? Yeah, that crowd was awesome. Uh, great atmosphere and the trophy and everything. Um, you know, I was excited to be on the winning side of that this year. Um, but, you know, it was a, it's going to be a fun rivalry going forward, and playing in that game is special, and coaching in it was special, and it's just a lot of emotion and, um, you know, two hours up north, a lot of recruiting battle stuff. And so I really look forward to, you know, continuing in the, into that and, you know, being a part of it. So if you're getting into the recruiting portion of being an assistant coach at the Division One level, uh, obviously, there will be more competition for SEMO in the St. Louis area with a Division One school, the only Division One school uh, in the St. Louis area. I'm not so sure that SEMO and Lindenwood were battling for the same athlete before, Correct. but they will be now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is kind of something that I've really wanted to grow into and taken very seriously. I think this is... Uh, Really, probably one of the most important things that a young coach can do is learn how to recruit and get into recruiting. I think that's how you have success in this industry, and so that's something that I've been taking really seriously and trying to learn and go out and do. And you know, I got a lot of great coaches around me to help me out with that. How do you research how to be a good recruiter? How to be a closer? I think it looks different for everybody. You just got to match your personality. Um, I think this program has a lot to offer, you know, and so that's something that. Uh, makes it a little easier on you. Obviously, when you're winning games, it's you know easy for kids to want to be a part of stuff. And you know this year's been a little tougher um, with us dropping games and doing some stuff. But there's still a lot to offer and stuff to build on. And um, you know recruiting for me is just being extremely honest with what they're going to get. You know the worst thing that I've learned uh, here is you don't want somebody to walk in that head coach's office and not know what they're walking into. And Vice versa for Coach Tuke, you know, you don't want to present him with somebody that isn't going to be a great fit in our program. And so it's just been being extremely transparent through the process of what we have to offer and what this kid could offer our program. And, you know, it really has to line up and fit in that. As a young coach, uh, are you told by other coaches, or uh, I would think that one stumbling block for a young coach would be recruiting a guy you spend all of these hours and you've got him you know and then at the last minute they sign somewhere else that could be crushing maybe for a younger coach coaches that have been around the block their season they're used to things like that happening nobody wants it to happen but as a young coach uh, i mean are some of these other assistant coaches kind of saying hey you you will get your heart broken you got to be ready for that yeah they they make sure that you understand that you got to recruit them all the way through signing day and that's been something for me that i'm still learning through that process um and you know i've been lucky to recruit some guys out of arkansas and some really good players and um you know got some help with that but it's been i'm learning as i'm going still you know and i'm not going to talk about something that i'm not totally confident in and it's just something that you know i'm hopefully i you know put the time in and done a good enough job to seal the deal at the end of the day defensive quality control coach that's one of uh, the hats that you wear tell us about that yeah it's really um anything they're needing like coach Tuke said i don't really know how to describe it um it's just making sure that those guys are always either coaching or recruiting and you know, it's setting up practice schedules or running scout team stuff or, um, you know, making sure we have the right stuff for the walk through the day of the game or uh, making sure Coach Kuhn, you know, has his call sheet all ready to go and stuff like that. And um, it's really just wearing a bunch of different hats so those guys can focus on the game and what we need to do. And video coordinator, uh, you were on the business end of the video. As a player, you could log in and, and see whatever you wanted to see. Now you're responsible for setting all that stuff up, right? Correct. Yeah, and it's um, technology is not too friendly sometimes. And, you know, it's been it's been good for me to be put in some of those situations that, you know, I either something doesn't work the way it's supposed to and just troubleshooting things and figuring stuff out. So, um yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough role to be in at times, but it's been really good for me. So do you have uh, whoever is in charge of the IT for whatever program the university subscribes to? Do you got that guy on speed dial? I got them on speed dial, and then we use a, a platform called Exos, and I've called Exos support a ton. Um, one of the blessings that I've had is the old video coordinator, uh, Coach Burb, our uh, running back coach, has had my role a few years ago, and so he's been – He's been a guy that I can kind of reach out to if it, if it all goes bad that can help me out. 
So Coach Berblinger is a tremendous resource for Huge. you. Yeah, absolutely. Is there is there anything that you have run across that he never ran across? He probably had seen it all. Yeah, there's been a few of those situations, and that's just part of you know figuring it out. And there's stuff that's going through my mind right now that you have no idea what's going to happen some of the time, and you just got to figure it out. So for just the average fan who doesn't understand how intricate the technology is for video, and what players are able to watch wherever they are, whether they're on the bus and they've got a tablet or their phone, mm-hmm. or whether they're in their dorm room and they've got a laptop with high-speed Internet, what can a player watch in terms of video, and what is a player's responsibility, and they need to watch video. Correct. Uh, you know, early in the season, Coach Tuke pulled up their huddle film times and kind of made sure he held them accountable on that stuff. And So he can see absolutely. who's watching video and who's not watching video. Yeah, absolutely. We have it down to the seconds. Um, it records every seven days, so just resets every seven days for those guys. And that way we, you know, we know who's putting the, putting the time in, and we post practice of, um, you know, pretty much everything that we do inside of practice other than some individual drills. So... Part of it, too, is I'm making the technology seem a little, um, I'm making it seem extremely complicated, but I'm not too tech-savvy myself to begin with, so I'm probably not the right guy to ask about that. But you are going to be tech-savvy. You have no I'm choice I'm definitely with growing. this job, right? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely growing in that. Now, how in the world are you utilizing drones? Uh, Coach Coach said you met with a drone guy today. Well, yep. Tell us about the drones. So the drones um, are in-zone view during practice. So for basically every every team that we have, every team period we have, we have a sideline view, and then we'll have an end zone view that flies right behind the defensive box, and then an offensive drone that flies behind right behind the offensive box that shows tackle to tackle, and that way those big guys up front can be, you know, coached, and there's a view right on top of them, and, um, you know, those drones, the batteries, the weather, the wind, everything, I mean, everything messes with those things, and I'm lucky enough to have a good amount of student assistance, um, and then two other guys that actually played here that um, have really been a big part of that role and made my life extremely easy, so I'm extremely thankful for them. I would, I'd be, uh, be having a tough time if I didn't have those guys. I was going to say, are you flying drones? I can a little bit, um, but mainly our two, Caleb Williams and Isiel um, Terrell, has, uh, has been guys for me that have played here and a big part of the program and understand the culture and everything. And, um, you know, those guys, they, they've owned their role and they've made sure that they've done a great job for me because if they're not doing a good job, that's a bad representation of me. And um, those guys have been a huge help for our program. There's guys that, you know, nobody really knows about and probably doesn't think too much about, but those guys have been a huge piece of uh, huge piece of our program this year. So when you were at Lindenwood, Coach Stugart apparently is a pretty good country singer. Tell us a little bit about that. Did he ever play country music for you guys? And do you think too can strum a guitar? So um, to start with him playing, uh, yeah, he played a couple for our rookie show type things. He'll get up and mess around and play a little bit for us guys. And we always thought it was funny. Now he opened for Tim McGraw one time, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yep, that's uh, the way it sounds. I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm sure he did. You know, he had a good he had a good career and stuff. There's always pictures and stuff that we'd pull up of him, kind of messing with him. But no, he uh, he actually got into that and so he he performed for us a couple times. Do I think Coach Two can strum a guitar? I think he'd probably break the guitar. I don't know. He'd just go ahead and slam that. You got a good Coach Tuke story. I mean, you're you're a rookie assistant. No. Okay. <laughs> say no. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I, I, I would have bet a hundred bucks you were going to say no. You were going to say no. All right. Uh, how tough is it to play quarterback at the Division One level? You were a master. You were the best quarterback. In the OVC, I mean, uh, all the numbers that you put up there, uh, you know, they miss you a lot. You just go look at what Lindenwood has done this year versus when you were there last year. How tough is it to make the jump from high school quarterback to Division One quarterback? For the fans who say, well, this guy was a, just a tremendous high school quarterback, it's a whole different deal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I got a lot of accolades and a lot of recognition, but I got to play with a lot of good guys that didn't get, you know, the the notoriety that I did. And there's some, there's some guys that are popping in my head right now that really didn't get any notoriety, and, you know, all my success came with them, you know. And it was definitely a team, a team effort last year. And, 
you know, I know the rewards and everything that I got, but it's really a testament to the guys I got to play with and even our offensive coordinator coached me, you know, my whole time while I was there. It's really a testament to those guys on the success I had. Can you be a resource for the CMOS quarterbacks considering, uh, you know, all your experience? I just want to make sure that we get all the film right now. I can worry about that later. <laughs> all right. Uh, your thoughts on going out here, finishing strong against the, uh, the Bryant Bulldogs out in Rhode Island. And have you ever been to Rhode Island? No, I haven't. I haven't been up uh, northeast at all, so that'll be, you know, interesting and a new place for for me to visit and our team to go up there. It should be a good experience and real good team, real good quarterback this week. Should be a good challenge to finish the year out. Did you ever fly charter when you were at Lindenwood? We did. Um, we we went and played Eastern Washington when we were Division Two. We went up there and so we flew out charter that. Simo played them in the playoffs in 2010. What did you think about that red football field? It's a lot of red for sure, and they, they have a good you know situation out there, tailgate and stuff like that, but it's definitely a different environment. I got a headache just broadcasting the game. I mean, it's crazy. A it red is. football turf. Yeah, it's pretty wild. All right, uh, Cade, uh, thanks so much for your time, and uh, we'll see you as we uh, fly out to Rhode Island, and thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Cade Brister. <laughs> One final thought with Coach Tuke. It's our final football coaching show. We're at Wings Etc. in Jackson on SEMO ESPN. Our final segment here for 2023 for Red Hawks football. Coach Tom Matukowicz uh, rejoins us. So you head out to Bryant University. Have you ever been to Rhode Island? No, I have not. Uh, my wife and I want to do a, a northeast trip sometime up to Maine or whatever. Um, but uh, to, to think that this is a league game, wow, pretty wild. Uh, How long? But is oh, this is it because they're leaving our conference. I was going to say, uh, how long is this contract with the Big South last? I don't for three more seasons, but they now all of a sudden are not in a conference. They join another conference, so we're spending like a hundred grand just to go out there, and they're not even going to return a trip. It's it's unbelievable, but you know it's just the, the nature of all the the conferences right now. So this will be a one and done, um, you know, a, a great experience for our players, and we need to. Uh, lock in and finish what we started they are also three and two as you are in the league and surprise surprise you're playing another team that has a good quarterback they yeah. have a good quarterback no really good uh he had a great uh week last week and has had a great season really accurate um mobile um you know not maybe the long speed but man keeps plays alive very accurate um you know has some ball security issues so maybe we could be able to turn him over a little bit um, but we've got our challenge uh, ahead of us on defense for sure. Boy, I sure remember when you had your battles with Jacksonville State, and you would always say before we played Jacksonville, their quarterback has ball security issues, and you made him fumble every time you played them. Yeah. That, 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 you guys game plan for that stuff. Oh, totally. That guy would run around the pocket with one hand on the ball, and if you, do you shake his hand? Yeah. He got, he got little mini-me fingers. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I forget, what's the Denver quarterback? His name's Russell Wilson. And he just had one, right? Like three or, week, three or four weeks ago out there one-handing it and got it stripped. Like people's lack of discipline when they got the football shocking at quarterback, you know. And so uh, defensively we're, uh, you know, kind of on a good state there. So hopefully we can turn this team over also all right uh for most of the year you were number two in the ovc in scoring offense but as we go into this game the top three scoring offenses in the league are ut martin bryant simo they score a lot of points yeah no doubt i mean they they're explosive kind of a throw first open up the run type offense so a little different than uh ut martin so they're playing the wins a little different but it, it's all from the quarterback for sure you know, and so we got to have good coverage, but uh, we still got to figure out that missing piece with the pressure on the quarterback. All right, it's our last chance to talk to you here on the coaches show, and uh, just kind of your thoughts on uh, you know, obviously you didn't uh, get the mission accomplished, but uh, you certainly did last year. You've had a lot of success. You've got uh, some tremendous players that you'll be saying goodbye to this Saturday. Your, your thoughts ahead of the the final game of the year. You know, I said this the other day in the paper, like, the reason you have a test is to give you feedback how you're doing in a class, right? Well, really, football is just a test. Saturday's a test. 
right? And, and it's feedback. And this season's feedback, and it's, it's kind of the painful gift. All feedback's really a gift. Uh, there's a lot of gifts in this season. There really is. I mean, obviously there are some disappointing things, but I really feel like uh, there's a lot of lessons here that a lot of people need to learn, and um, I'm going to make sure that we learn them and appreciate them, and we'll be stronger for it. 12 noon kickoff. That's central time, 1 o'clock there. I know you like yeah. the early start time. Yeah, yeah, it would be a, a good business trip. We're not out there to you know, see the, the fall colors or eat. Seafood. We're out there to kick ass. All right, and uh, you know, I know in the past there, I can remember at least one time you played, and then you went to the airport and came back. Are, are you staying? Are you staying no, all night? No, we'll come back. Come back the same night. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yep. Coach, thanks so much, yep. and uh, we'll thanks see you for Friday. What you thanks. Do. Thanks so much for your time all season. That's the Red Hawks head coach Tom Atukowitz, our final coaching show. Thanks to. Kate Brister, thanks to Joe Hobbs and his lovely bride. She's really in charge, and uh, they have been so gracious. How many years have they hosted the coaches show here at Wings, etc.? Thanks to Mike Rennick and Rachel Cook for all of their hard work. They are the engineers on site. Eric Sean signing it off here, and uh, don't forget, we'll be uh, back, I believe, in the Cape location for basketball coaches show with Brad Korn next week. We will talk to you then. Again, it's a noon kickoff on Saturday as the Red Hawks take on the Bryant Bulldogs. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. So long from Wings Etc.